where we are in 1 Peter. Uh, Peter is writing to these uh, believers, to these churches uh, scattered about here. Nero is ruling from Rome, and Christians are suffering horrible persecution. Persecution that so far to date we have never known in the United States of America. Uh, persecution that, um, you know, even other parts of the world have, have never known. And he's writing to strengthen these uh, churches. And he strengthens them. He starts out, I love how he begins, uh, how he addresses these, the believers that are, that are suffering under, under Rome. He begins this way, you're elect. How do you like that? You are elect. You are kept by the power of God and you can rejoice through manifold temptations. I, I tell you what, if you want to think of something that's more encouraging than that, I don't know what it is. I mean, you have been kept by the power of God. What does it mean? It doesn't matter what goes on in this life. It doesn't matter what persecution comes in your life. It doesn't matter what you lose in your life. Hey, these Christians had nothing. They were, they were just, uh, many of them were living from cave to cave and running all of the time. You look at the... the uh, uh, the uh, the testimony of the Waldensians in northern Italy and what they survived and the butchery that they lived through. And they had absolutely nothing except they had this, that they were elect in Jesus Christ and they were secure in, every, in, in, in Jesus Christ and they had a great hope of heaven. He went on to say, listen, your trials of your faith are more precious than gold. They are more valuable than gold. Why? The gold, you're going to leave it someday. Right, you're going to leave it all. Somebody said uh, this. Uh, there was a funeral going down, and the very, very, very wealthy man was going to the funeral. Had died and was on in the hearse, and he was on his way to be buried. And he was a very wealthy. And somebody said, "Man, how much did he leave?" And somebody said, "He left it all. Right. He left all of it." Right? No, we're going to leave it all behind sometime. I love it when, when Jacob uh, was coming back into Egypt with, with the boys and jo- Joseph had uh, told his brothers to go back and get his father and uh, get, get, get them all in. He said, and leave all your stuff. What did he say? Why? You're not going to need it here because I'm going to take care of you. I'm telling you, we're going to a home someday and we're going to leave all of our stuff behind because we're not going to need it, right? Because we're going somewhere where, where that, uh, that where our, because of our faith that is more precious, more precious than gold. The trials of your faith, he told him. He said, don't forget the one that you've loved. Don't forget the one who you love, who you have, no, you've never seen him, but you love him. Why? Because he's real. Because you remember the day that you met him. How many... Remember the day when you met the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's real, isn't he? Adrian Rogers said one time, he said, uh, people say, well, I don't believe in God. And he said, that's like saying, I don't believe in apple pie. He said, you can say you don't believe it all you want, but I've had it. And I know it's real and it's good, right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm thankful. And Peter's telling these people, he's encouraging these churches, don't forget the one you've loved. And he says, keep your thinking right. In the midst of, this is a a struggle in the midst of trials and persecutions. Keep your thinking right. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Uh, You know what? Don't be drunk with the the thought patterns of this world. Be sober. Be clear-minded. Hope to the end for the grace that is coming by Jesus Christ. And he said, because of all of this, live right. Live right. what, What he's talking about. He says, live as obedient children. 
Live as obedient children. Don't live like you used to. Live like the one who called you. The one who you are in. The one who has, who you, uh, in whom you are elect. He said this. Let me sum it up this way. Be holy. Be you holy as I am holy, right? Live in fear. Live in love because you have been born again by what? By incorruptible seed, by the word of God. And boy, what an encouragement that is if we would just dwell on that for a little while. And as we moved along in the, in the book, we saw last week how we saw a part of living like the Lord Jesus Christ is living a life of submission, that's what Jesus did. He lived a life of submission to the Father. And that's why we saw, likewise, wives, likewise, husband, like what? Well, like Jesus, right? Who made himself of no reputation, right? And, uh, and put on human flesh and came. And he was uh, obedient to the will of the Father. And he lived a life of submission. And so ought we to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this is necessary to remember and to activate in our lives if we are going to live or come out of persecution victoriously. This is why Peter's writing this. They're living in some horrendous times. And if you're going to come out of this type of a life with victory, right? Victory ahead, we just sang it. If you're going to come out with victory, these are some things that you're going to have to remember. What was it that caused those who went to their death, burned at the stake, to refuse to recant the Lord Jesus Christ? What was it when those that were thrown into the Colosseum with the wild animals, why wouldn't they just denounce their faith for a little bit more time on earth? Oh, they could have justified it. Well, hey, I could just preach the gospel more maybe. Maybe I could have some more time. Oh, no, they wouldn't do that. They went to their death. They were, they, were, they were torn apart. I mean, they, they said the, 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 uh, the, uh, the lanterns through, through Nero's gardens were lighted with Christians. I mean, it was just vile, the things that were going on. Why wouldn't they denounce it? Well, listen, friend, they knew what they were in Christ Jesus. They knew that the trials they were facing were an honor. They knew the one who they loved and had, an, had, had a, uh, a relationship with. And it was etched in stone in their life, holiness unto the Lord. They were not going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely not. But what I want to see tonight in these two verses is if we are going to see one thing, it just pull out one other thing that sums up the, the testimony of these believers that lived through great persecution here in the first century. If there is one thing that would sum it up, what is it? What is it? And what can we do to combat the persecution and the suffering that comes into our life? Now, if you'll notice 1 Peter chapter 3, would you find verse 8? It says, chapter 3, verse 8, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. But contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him speak peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them to do evil. 
And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as to evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Father, bless your word tonight. Help me, please. Help my voice. Help my mind. And we just pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look tonight at a title of the sanctified heart. You see here what he says in verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What is a sanctified heart? What does it look like when we sanctify God in our heart? I want to look at that tonight. The first thing we notice here is a persecuted life. You and I, listen, we will not get out of this life unscathed. And listen, persecution comes in all different forms and fashions. No, it's just not a, a beating at the stake or a burning at the stake or throw to wild beasts. Or I mean, there's all sorts of ways that persecution comes. Sometimes persecution just comes from the rejection of family and friends. Sometimes it comes, sometimes those things are hard to deal with when those that you love the most reject what you believe and, and they walk away from what they've been taught. Those are heavy things, and that's, that's a type of a persecution that, yes, we even live through. And we're gonna, we are going to live through times of persecution. In Matthew 5, 11, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mountain, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Do you realize how he was saying this? It was rather matter-of-factly. Persecution's going to come. It's going to come. Acts 8.1, and Saul was consenting unto his death. Speaking about Stephen there. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Only the apostles had stayed back in Jerusalem. All of the others in that church of Jerusalem, many of them, that church, no doubt, maybe in the vicinity of 14,000 members at one time, began to scatter across because of persecution. We know it goes on to say that's why other churches were started. Even the church at Antioch was because of the, the scattering of the, of the church there because of persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul told Timothy, shall suffer persecution. It's, it's going to come. It's a part of the Christian life. Suffering marks the life of the child of God who is, no watch, who is living like the Lord Jesus Christ. No, not suffering because you're dumb and because you made a bad decision, because you went against the word of God, right? Because you, you went out and did something exactly what the Lord told you not to do. No, that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about those who live godly in Christ Jesus. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have suffering. It's going to hurt. You're going to question. You're going to wonder. You're going to double guess. You're going to check your own motives. You're going to wonder if I, you did anything wrong. No, listen, it, it's hard and it hurts. But, but it's going to come. Persecution is going to come. 
But you know, if you know what's coming, it's always wise to prepare, isn't it? It's wise to prepare. Wisdom, hey, wisdom prepares for the inevitable. Wisdom prepares for the inevitable. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, it says, Go to the ant thou sluggard and consider her ways. Right? And uh, it goes on to say that, she, that, that the ant uh, provides in the summertime and, and so they have harvest in the winter. I mean, there's preparation there. It goes on to say, consider her ways. Right? Let, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to sleep. So shall thy poverty come. What is he talking about? The Proverbs talking about is, 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 um, is uh, preparation. There is wisdom in preparation. Do you know people will prepare for an auto accident by buying auto insurance? And people will prepare for a, an illness by, by purchasing health insurance. And we will prepare for death by buying life insurance. But how many people prepare for eternity? Not many. Not many at all. It's not wise. It's not wise to leave this life unprepared for eternity, is it? it it's devastating. So watch this. A, 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 a prepared life, it isn't going to always get, it, most likely, most of the times, it's not going to be totally caught off guard. Right? If you get in an auto accident, you have auto insurance, you, go, you, don't, you don't come out from the wreck and go, Oh no, how am I going to pay for the car? <laughs> You're going to go, Oh, is everybody okay? It's, yeah, we got insurance, big deal. How are, are you okay? Why? They prepared. They don't, they don't react in that way. A prepared life will be able to weather the storm. What happens when the weather comes and says, well, we're going to have 23 inches of ice and you have, you know, you know an ounce of rain, right? You, you end up not believing them. But sometimes you start watching the maps and you're watching the weather yourself because we're all experts now because we have radar. And we're watching the weather and you're going, yeah, this isn't looking so good. And then you have experience and you're going, yeah, they're saying an inch of snow. Well, we better prepare. There'll probably be a foot, right? And so what, what, hap- what, what do you, how do you prepare when a storm in the wintertime? Well, what do you, you, or like a, especially an ice storm, you know? Uh, what, how do you prepare? Well, you know what? You might get some more food. You might go dig out the candles or, or the kerosene. I still have kerosene lamps. I love those. I love how they smell. When I was a kid, we lived in New England and we'd have these huge snowstorms and you'd have power. You'd be out of power, you know, for some time. And I still remember the smell, all those kerosene lanterns. And I love it. So I have some. And it'll probably burn the house down one day, but it'll smell wonderful. And so, but you might get the candles and you may find, right, the, the lanterns or the flashlights now, right? And uh, if you have a wood stove and, and you might prepare for the electricity to go out, you get more wood and you have Jack come over and cut all your wood for you and uh, do things like that. He's great at cutting wood. Uh, you might make sure the cars have a full tank of gas. That's a pretty good idea, right? Maybe you have a full tank of gas, might get more food. Even though you've already got more food, you might go get more food, right? You don't want to run out of food, right? What is this? Watch, a prepared life, a a, a prepared life is able to weather the storms. A prepared life is, is not going to get caught off guard. A persecuted life requires a prepared life. A persecuted life requires a prepared life. We're all going to suffer some type of persecution. So how do you prepare for it? Do you know the condition of our heart is a vital part 
of our preparation for trials and tribulation and persecution. The heart. The heart. Not that organ pumping in your body. Right? The inner you. The center of who you are. Did you know the human heart will pump about a, uh, will beat about a hundred thousand times a day? That's astonishing. If you if you if you make it by God's grace to the seventy years, it's gonna be, it's gonna pump two point five billion times. That's astonishing to me. The heart pumps about two thousand gallons of blood a day. 2,000 gallons of blood a day. If you make it to 70 again, that heart has pumped 51 million gallons of blood in its, in its time. I tell you what, you, you're not going to get a car, a fuel pump to pump that many times, that's for sure. No. See, within the blood is all of the nutrients the body needs to survive. And the heart makes, every or, you know, makes sure every organ is supplied with the blood it needs to operate. Did you know when you eat food, that, that food goes into your stomach and the enzymes come and begin to, to break that food apart and watch this. It's fascinating. The blood will take those nutrients and it knows exactly which organ needs what nutrients and it will deliver those nutrients to those organs. It's fascinating. Absolutely is. It's, it's, our, it's, our, center, it's our inner engine of our body. But see, in our spiritual life, our heart is the center as well. It's the center of emotion. It's the center of desire and longing. It's who we are as a person. And this is the heart that needs preparation. No, we prepare for our, our ticker, don't we? We try to eat well. The doctor says stop doing this or start doing that. And you're going you're gonna to have this problem or that problem. And you need to, boy, well, okay, you know, I want I want, to live, I want to live a little longer, right? Well, maybe some do. Chuck doesn't. But, uh, no, he's okay. You know, he's, I'm just teasing. But, uh, but Chuck, I mean, 70 plus, what, another 16 years past 70, you're 86, right? Think how many times your heart's been beating. That thing is awesome. Right? It's amazing. I'm not feeling But our inner heart, who we are. This is the heart that needs preparation for persecution. This is where we prepare. This is where we prepare for these times. And a, a prepared heart, watch, is a sanctified heart. You know, how do we prepare our heart? Well, it says right here, we sanctify it. We sanctify. Sanctify means to set apart, to separate from profane things, things to dedicate them to God, to consecrate to God. No, this is something that we do. How do you sanctify your heart unto God? How do you set God apart? Oh, it's going to rhyme in your heart. I'm going to give you four ways to prepare your heart for persecution. Four ways to prepare your heart for tribulation and trial. Four ways to prepare so you can come out victorious at the end of it and rejoice. Let me give you a number one. We know this so well. Number one, 
Jeremiah 17, 9. Know your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says our heart is deceitful. It'll deceive you. One of the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest admonitions you can find is to follow your heart. That's silly. Yeah. That's, a, that's really not wise, especially as a child of God. It's deceitful. It'll deceive you. It's desperately wicked. It's bent on wickedness. And I wish I had a whole hour to delve in to all of the details of the heart. Uh, but we don't. We'll, we'll try to run through this quickly. It's desperately wicked and it's unknowable. One of the greatest, listen, one of the greatest things that we can come to as a child of God is to realize we don't really even know our own heart. We don't know the depths of our own heart. Only God knows the depths of our own heart and the, and, and the, the places that our heart can go. Our heart has its own desires. You know what? Uh, the, the, the natural desire of our inner heart is the, is the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what it would like. And it will deceive us, right? It'll deceive us. There'll be this longing for something that we see that looks like it's wonderful. It's packaged so well, like, uh, like the fruit that Satan took off and said, see, it's, it's good for food. And, and Eve saw that it was good for food. All right, he was deceiving her. And her heart will do that as well. It'll deceive us. See, they're getting by with it. See, they're enjoying life. See, they're living, they're, living, they're living fine. They're living without God just fine. <laughs> you, don't live, you don't need to live like these fundamentalist crackpots over here. Look, at they don't even have fun. Right? No fun at all. Okay, fine. Even if I don't have fun, I have a lot of peace. I'll take that over fun any day. Amen. <laughs> Got joy, too. I can have joy and not have fun. I can have a lot of joy without fun. But joy is fun. So, hey, there we go. But no, your heart will lie to you. It will deceive you. It's wicked. The natural pumping of our heart is is, is, can be, is, is darkness. You know, when I, when I had, you know, the, the heart surgeries I had as a little, as a, as a child, it, it created because of the surgeries. You know, you get scar tissue and you have, yeah, I have a patch in there somewhere. I don't know. I've never seen it. They tell me it's there. And uh, my kids say the heart isn't there, but I know it's there. But uh but it's got a patch there. And over the years, what happens? Scar tissue builds up and things like that. And you know, do you know when I go to the dentist, I always have to have antibiotic. Because if infection ever gets into my teeth from them working on it, it'll go straight to my heart and it could kill me. It, ultimately, it could kill me. And so because of the scar tissue, because of the damage on the, that they've done through surgeries and things like that. And so it'll go right there. And uh, it, it can do a lot of harm. What am I saying? Know your heart. Know your heart. Know, know, know this. Know that you can't fully know it. Right? You know what? You can't fully know the depths of the ocean and the power of the ocean. So what do you do? You approach it with respect. You approach it with caution. You approach it. You don't just go flailing in like, eh. You know, well, some people do. Especially when the, when the signs are up like rip currents and all of these things. And, man, you'll die out there. Right? Absolutely. Know your heart. You don't know the depths of your heart. Know that. That's a part of preparation. And it's part of sanctifying the heart. Not know it and protect it. Right? Protect your heart.
that's the second one I wanted to look at. I've got my paper all mixed up here. I know it's in here somewhere. Here it is. Yeah, I knew it. Protect it. I knew it. Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word keep there means to protect. So number one, know your heart. Number two, protect your heart. Protect it. Right? We must always guard against what, will, what we allow to take lodging in our heart. We, we've got to always be on guard for worldly philosophies. For worldly philosophies that come through worldly entertainment and worldly desires. Worldly desires. Isn't it amazing how, how subtle it gets into our hearts? Fame and recognition, whatever, whatever recognition that is. Maybe uh, covetousness and somebody has this and somebody has that and we notice it. They've got a nicer house than me. They've got a nicer car than me. They've got a nicer lawnmower than I have. They've got, I don't know, you know, fill out the list there. They got a better uh, sewing machine. I saw a couple ladies over here. I'd throw them in. I don't know what they like, but I know they like sewing machines. But no, it's it's easy. Watch if you're not if you're not guarding yourself. It's amazing what can get 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 into the heart and infect the heart with with worldliness and carnality and worldly philosophies. That listen, that will not watch. That will. It's not what you do to sanctify God in your heart and to set Him apart. You'll end up having a divided heart again. You end up feeding a worldly heart that needs to be starved. You see, the one way my heart was protected from infection, right, was antibiotic. They gave me an antibiotic to protect the heart from the infection coming in. Hey, what protects our heart from infection? What protects our heart from the infection of the world? How about Psalm 119.11? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Not only do we need to know our heart, right? But we need to protect our heart. We need to protect it. But not only do we need to protect our heart, number three, watch this. We need to purge our heart. Sometimes we need to clean it. Sometimes it needs purge. You know, some cancer patients, as, as they maybe progress on in the cancer, they'll start getting run down. They'll start losing energy. Their blood is getting more and more infected. Their blood is getting more and more poisoned uh, by the cancer that's in their body. And sometimes what they will do is they'll go for a blood transfusion. They'll remove the tainted, some tainted blood and replace it with good blood. And they'll have energy for a little while. And that'll, that'll go for a while until the inevitable is it just won't even work anymore. But the point is here that if you have found yourself away from the Lord, if you have found that your heart has been infected by the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil, if you have found your, that your heart needs to be purged, Right? What do you need? You need a transfusion. You need to get some of the junk out and get some of the good stuff in. Well, how do you do that? Well, we're back to Psalm 119 again in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? You see, we need to, if you're going to sanctify God in your heart, if you're going to set aside God in your heart, if you're going to consecrate God into your heart, you're going to have to know your heart. You're going to have to protect your heart. Oh, listen to me. You're going to have to purge your heart for, oh, time and time again. You're going to have to spend time in your word uh, just asking the Lord to purge, purge 
the things that have been allowed to come into your heart. Because listen, if you keep feeding that thing, it's going to take over. It's going to take, it, it, gets, it gets bigger and bigger. It's stronger and stronger, right? We guard the heart with the word of God. And we purge and clean the heart with the word of God. That's why it's so imperative to be in the book every day. Every day. David said morning and evening, right? That he would come before the Lord. A time of devotion, a time of seeking, a time of cleansing, a time of teaching, right? Uh, don't you love it when you're reading through the Word of God? Nobody else knows what's going on in your life. Maybe there's some things going on in your life that there's no way anybody else would know about. Some struggles you're having, and you're reading the Word, and boom, and boom, there it is. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you know what you found out? Oh, God knows. And he gave, listen, he gave me a remedy to cleanse and purify and purge that, 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 that dirtiness out of the heart, the darkness that is allowed to come in there, right? Thank the Lord for the word of God. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, so we, we purge the heart. We keep it clean. Keep your heart clean. How do you keep it clean? Well, keep it away from the junk that gets it dirty. Yeah. The world, right? The world, the flesh, the devil. You got to keep it away. This is why we. Ran, this is why we, you know, you know, always griping about. You know, don't watch this and don't do here and don't do that and don't. You, you think God's just a killjoy? He's not. God wants you to have life, and He wants you to have it more abundantly, right? He wants you to have a good life and a victorious life and a joyful life and and, and a, a life of of contentment and happy. He wants it all there for us. He wants a life. Hey, He wants us to have a life that is productive, that does something for Him. And it's not possible when the heart is weighed down and darkened with the wickedness of this world. And you know what? You know what infects the heart. Is when we're dwelling and living in that stuff. Yeah. No, I know we live around it, but it's another thing. When we invite it in and watch, before, we're care- before too long, you start going, oh, I don't know. Well, that looks good. That looks fun. You ever had to check yourself? Have you ever, have you ever been, maybe watched uh, something on the television or on the internet or whatever, and you've watched yourself almost, fin- this, this kind of envy starts coming up a little, just a little slightly, like, oh, that'd be neat. Oh, that'd be interesting. Oh, that'd be neat. Subtle. It's subtle. Before before you know it, some worldliness is in your heart, and you got to stop. Right, you got to stop immediately. Go. Oh, whoa! Hold on a minute. <laughs> Lord, help me. Yeah. Number four. Know your heart. Protect your heart. Purge your heart. Number four. Sanctify the heart. This is how we prepare. For persecution. This is how we prepare to live, uh, to live victoriously in a life that's not always easy. Sanctify the heart. Do you realize this is an act of your own volition? This is something you have to do. This is, <coughs> this is more of a personal command. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. How do we set apart our heart for God? <coughs> Anybody have a tissue? Thank you. I need that water. 
exciting. <coughs> Should have prepared with water. <coughs> I'm so close to being better. So close. It's so far. Oh, brought tears to my eyes. Thank you, brother. Hmm. I, <clears throat> you may not have heard it, but I called a timeout, so it doesn't count <laughs> for my time tonight. Yes. Okay, here we go. Ah, how exciting. How do you sanctify your heart? Ah, how do you set your <clears throat> heart apart for God? I'm going to give you an illustration. <coughs> See the piano? Pretty nice one, isn't it? Yamaha, if you don't know pianos, let me tell you, that's one of the best. Yamaha is an excellent piano. We know the piano, right? Like you know your heart, right? You're supposed, we're supposed to know the heart. We know the piano. <clears throat> we know what it's capable of. We know how it sounds. We know how it should sound, and we know sometimes it doesn't sound like it should sound. But we know how it sounds. We know, we know part of the piano. We know what it's capable of on either end of the spectrum, whether for good or for bad. We know the depths of the piano that it can go to, right? <laughs> it can be used in a symphony and sound beautiful. It could show up in a rock concert and sound wicked. You could find it in a bar. You can find it in somebody's house playing hymns. Right? We know we know the ability of it, and we know we we know the possibility uh, out of that piano. So watch this. If we were to say, which this is, I, I consider this piano sanctified. It is set apart for God. Right? And so we have to make a decision about this piano if we're going to sanctify it. God only. The only music that will come from those strings and on, that, on those keys and the hammers hitting those strings, but to the best of what we believe is biblical, <laughs> the only thing that will come out of that is what is godly, what is God honoring, what glorifies God. What does that mean, to sanctify the piano? Well, <clears throat> We're not going to let anybody play rock and roll on it, that's for sure. There's a church on the north side of Springfield called North Point. Yep, north side. That was very original. And uh, they, uh, during the offertory one time, they played Hell's Bells as an instrumental. So I knew somebody, I knew of somebody who was there for it. They did say, now don't judge <laughs> right? why they were there. I, yeah. Yeah. No, this has been sanctified. 
This has been set apart. This has been consecrated. So we're not going to have rock and roll playing on this piano. It's hopefully not going to sound too much like it came out of some honky-tonk somewhere. Somebody's going to say, what is a honky-tonk anyway? Well, it's a, you know, it's a redneck bar, all right, I think, something like that, all right? No, no, we're not going to have any worldly music played on this piano. Why? It's consecrated. It's set apart. This is preparation. No, that's, that's a part of preparation. It's a part of protection. No, we, you know, no I, we, we've set apart this building. We have set apart this property. It is sanctified. It is set apart unto God. What, what does this mean? Well, we're not going to have things go on here that are ungodly. As best as, I mean, not knowingly, right? We're not, gonna, no, we're not having bingo on Friday nights. We're not, we're not going to, well, we're definitely not going to have some sodomite marriage going on in here, no matter what the government says, right? No, no, this is a consecrated building. It is a consecrated uh, property, right? We have sanctified these. Watch this. To sanctify the heart is to set it aside and consecrate it for God only. My heart is for God only. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we're going to be careful not to allow any ungodliness to lodge into our hearts. Why? Because we've set it aside for God. And God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He can't fellowship with darkness, right? So we're going to set our heart aside by being careful of what we allow to lodge into our hearts. Which, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means that maybe you might have to get rid of some entertainment. Maybe that means you might have to get rid of some music. Maybe that means you might have to distance yourself from some friends. Maybe it may, might mean you might have to limit what you take in on social media. I'm not saying that it all goes just carte blanche, it's all gone. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about you know when it begins to infect your heart and affect your heart. Listen, that if you are going to sanctify your heart, God in your heart, it's for Him alone... Sometimes decisions are going to have to come up. When you know, when you know, this is not going to help me sanctify God in my heart. Watch, because if we don't, what happens? Infection gets in. And when infection gets into the heart, fellowship with God is hindered. And when our fellowship with God is hindered, the way we respond to persecution and trials will be affected. No victory. No victory. See, when your heart is prepared and God is sanctified in it, would you look at verse... 15 again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We apply this verse many times to having to do with when it comes to witnessing and people ask us questions, the ability to have an answer ready for them. But you, you know, really, probably a more contextual uh, interpretation of this or the actual reading of this is connected to the suffering and the persecution that was going on to those churches that Peter was writing to. Watch what he was saying. When your heart is sanctified to God, 
right? You'll be ready to give an answer. What was the answer they were giving? Deny Christ? No. They were ready to give an answer of the hope that was in them. What was the hope that was in them? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they were never going to bow. That's why they were never going to cast the salt on the altar and just walk away and and just be okay with it and go on with their life and everything's good. No, they weren't going to do that. Why? Because they had sanctified God in their heart already. It was Him for Him alone. It had no room for any paganism. It had no room for whatever Nero was saying. It had no room for it at all. And watch, and when the trial came and the persecution came, when the question came, when, when, when the command came, immediately it was like, nope. Sorry, can't do it. Amen. Yeah. That's preparation. Look at verse 16. You know what else comes with it? Having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. You know what happens when you prepare your heart? To be and you prepare your heart by sanctifying it unto God. You know what happens when you prepare for persecution by sanctifying the heart and having it for God only. When the persecution does come, they really don't have any. They don't have it. Their 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 words have no grounds. Actually, you live your life in such a way it makes them ashamed. Oh no, they may never tell you. They may never tell you. I remember a friend of ours, they live in Aurora, uh, family friends, and the mother one time, she had said, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my cousins just ribbed me so bad, always gave me such a hard time, because I didn't drink with them, and boy, they just, they would rib me and make fun of me and rib me, and I never did, but you know what, years later, years later, they said, you know, we gave you a hard time, but we're really glad you didn't give in. You know, sometimes when people are pressuring you, they really don't want you to give in. Because sometimes they're looking for something stable in their life, and they think you're it. And so they push to see how stable you are. Yeah. And then when you fold, they just, okay, well, you're like everybody else. Talking about preparation for persecution. Preparation for persecution. How do we prepare? Make sure God only has your heart. You sanctify your heart into God. I have to do it. It's work. It's work. Let me ask you tonight, who has your heart? Who has your heart tonight? Is it divided? Does God have all of it? Is there infection maybe that has been allowed to get in? Who has your heart tonight? Listen, if you want to... Be victorious when the trials come. You, you, better, you better make sure, we need to make sure that we know it, that we protect it, right? and uh, that, we, uh, that we purge it when it needs to be, and then that we sanctify it unto God. May God help us to do that. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for a remedy. We don't get out of this life unscathed. If we're going to follow you like we, like we desire to and like we ought to, we're going to face persecution. Maybe not like these, 
these saints did in the early church here that we read about. But we'll have persecution. And I think everybody in this room wants to come through that victoriously. And Father, you know the need of every heart that's in here. Maybe a little bit of infection has got in. Maybe a, a little bit of the world has gotten in. Uh, Lord, may, may, maybe the things are doing well, but uh, there just needs to be a, a continued uh, guarding and protecting and a continued alertness. Lord, whatever the need is, I'm thankful your Holy Spirit knows exactly what each one of our needs are. And Lord, would you do that work in our hearts tonight? A, heart of, uh, a work of cleansing, a work of purifying, as we attempt to, uh, to sanctify our heart unto you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Piano is going to play. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you tonight. Who has your heart tonight? Does God have all of it? Has the world been allowed to creep in? Maybe there's some things that need purged out. Maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you some things that need to be purged out of the heart. Maybe you're not doing preventative maintenance and protecting it. And there's some things that maybe need to be shut off or some things that need to be turned on. I don't know. bad heart affects the whole body. Jesus said if, if, if the eye be light, the whole, the, whole, the whole body is light. If the eye be dark, the whole body is dark. Right? We let things in our life affect our whole life. Alright, Amen. Well, minus my dying spell.